everyone, and welcome to the Thursday podcast of American Scouser. I am your host this week, Timochin from Chicago, and with me today we have Jamie. Jamie, what's happening with my uh, least favorite yellow jersey? I see. Shush, 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 lads! It's beautiful, isn't it? I liked it this Tuesday. That's one of the rare moments where I was like, you know what? That doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Oh, Elliot, and yeah, on a day, good day for it too. And also with us is David Rice. What's going on, Dave? Just waiting for this final to come. <laughs> so yes, we were talking before, right as we went on air, uh, Alan Walnuts. Alan's almost, was that slightly late? I think I got two introductions in before Alan said greetings, by the way. So Alan's <laughs> not on this game today. But we were talking about this. If you're watching us on video, uh, otherwise you can go to our YouTube channel or go to our Facebook page and watch this. But the thing behind... David, is we actually thought, and you even said nice flag, right, Jamie? Like when we first yeah, went, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it, it caught my eye immediately. Air, and then we find out that is actually a painting that David has done. Dude, how long did that take you? That looks pretty kick-ass. That one was maybe three weeks of like stenciling it, figuring out like the proportions and everything. And then like the actual painting, because if you see like his, the shadowing on his arms is different shades. So it takes a little bit of work. I mean, I had one last final and no one knows what happened to it, <laughs> but. Oh, I do. I yeah, do. Nobody's got it in their room. <laughs> It had Jurgen's face on it, and I, I was—I'm more, more proud of it than anything I ever did because it looked almost like a photograph. David, <laughs> I mean, I—I'm a—I'm a bit of an artist as well. I—it I, looks amazing. Like I said, it caught my eye straight away. I'll give you a sneak preview. Like I don't—I love a bit of stencil work as well. So this is something I done for my wife. Oh, you can't see it because it's white, and there's a white screen. Oh, oh, I was say we always see as well. That, that actually looks even cooler now because it's almost like a shadow over. That's pretty cool. So it's like a Banksy ripoff, but listen, mate, that's amazing. This is like a tiny little piece of paper. That's a full flag that you take the games as well. That's amazing, mate. Yeah, yeah I wish I could show something, but I can barely make a stick figure. Uh, but <laughs> I've seen, I mean, I've shown uh, like Jamie a couple of times. I actually shared in the Discord channel. Layla, my younger daughter, is just just freaking amazing and i am definitely not coming from my jeans <laughs> yeah i suck at this okay so let's get to jamie's 60 seconds first and then we've got kind of like a lot to talk about but jamie take it away yeah happy days right let's get stuck straight in here um a lot of news coming out today that um i'm sure all you true diehards have heard already and we've already been talking about but divok has agreed his lfc exit um he's been heavily linked to ac milan as we all know so hopefully we'll hear more about that in the coming few days um gomez's injury not as bad as first thought which is great news to hear um also fabinho completely confident he's gonna be ready for the champions league final against real madrid um News out of the club today is Thiago's been named the standard charter player of the month. Uh, well done to him, the sexy beast. And um, also news today that the LFC trophy parade is announced, confirmed for the 29th, regardless of what happens in the coming weeks. Um, last but not least, uh, legendary striker, uh, top goal scorer, Ian Rush, is the latest to be honoured on the streets 
uh, of the walls surrounding Anfield with a with a mural. Um, if you haven't seen it, go take a look. But for yeah, for absolutely for more deeper look into all these topics like Divock uh, and all the rest of it, there's um, great content over there on AmericanScouser.com. Great articles and fresh content each week. So uh, go get your fix. Go get your fix is right. Uh, especially we have like on a couple of things on Divock and more on the way. I think because. Yeah, man, I'm going to miss that guy. Uh, I was actually, well, let's right from that, let's go into this lineup conversation, David. I was shocked not to see him because I almost felt like this would be perhaps the last time actually we do see him out there with the chance to like, you know, when we were looking to rotate and stuff like that. So we see this lineup on Tuesday. What are your initial thoughts? Everything you expected it to be or? Yeah, it was. I, all right, well, Minamino, I, I wasn't sure if he'd make the team. Thought he might go with Divock, um, but that was about what I expected in terms of changes. I knew it was gonna. I had a feeling it was gonna be heavy. Um, the one that I just immediately took note of was Ox being on the bench. I just thought he didn't appear against Villa, and he doesn't appear against here. It doesn't appear again here. That's to me. That's his LFC career done essentially like you're i think it's a sign maybe that jurgen doesn't trust him or whatever but I, I just think if you if you had plans for him for the future he'd have been involved in one of those two games if not both and curtis jones was involved so i think it just tells you all you need to know really <laughs> he kind of goes out of his way jamie to kind of like mention taki and ox almost like at all times, whereas in terms of players that, you know, sometimes he can't even put into the squad how bad he feels about, you know, having these guys that he can't give opportunities and stuff. I tend to agree with David. I was going to ask you guys this later on, but I guess let's jump in this conversation since it came up. But Twisting them knives early doors. <laughs> I mean, do you see him in the squad next year? I guess the biggest thing that's going to change from this year to next year will be the fact that there will be five subs. So we will be able to give more minutes and spread it out a bit more. Does that affect, like, I was going to ask you guys about Taki as well. Well, since David mentioned Ox, let's start with Ox. Uh, does that affect that, you think, in terms of him staying? I mean, it's got to. You know, there's been rumors, and I know it's 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 already getting to the crazy rumor start uh, of the season at the end of the season, if you know what I mean. Um, Bowen for Ox plus what you would imagine a healthy price tag. Um, Sold. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, like Dave, like David said. It, it does. It doesn't look good. I know we talked probably a month and a half, maybe two months ago. We were all saying, you know, maybe there's like there's five chances that Ox could have had, and this was two months ago. Remember that Ox could have had to get out onto the pitch, and he's he's, he's you know we've, all that time's been and gone, and and he's not going to feature at the weekend. You know that's just not going to happen, um, barring miracles. Um, and I know we had nine changes there, and 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 David rightly mentioned Taggy. That was his first Premier League start this season. Um, wow, I didn't realize that. So yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I mean, look, there's a lot to be said about these players on the fringe, Divock included, and we all know the long history he's had with with 
being a, a, a bit part player and a silent partner and, and coming on and doing the business and, and tacky as well. Um, you know, let's not forget his endeavors in, in the cup runs, um, been an f- absolute fantastic player for Liverpool. Um, and just to clarify, yeah, Tacky's that was his first Prem start, yeah. But uh, let's not forget his great cup runs. Like, I, and you know, I kind of said in in my local little chat group here in Wilmington, North Carolina, I was like, who's who's going to be our hero today against Southampton? You know, because you've always got that feeling as a Liverpool player that that your chance is going to come. You know, Harvey Elliott talks about it. He's like, I haven't been training well, but whenever I do get picked, you know, that's your time to shine. And and as much as these players have done and, and and taken their chance as best as possible. It's hard to see Liverpool not doing a lot of mid-tier business in the summer. It, it, it could be could be potentially a lot going out and maybe a few quality youngsters coming in. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Taki is probably like the big... It, it's odd, David, because... You know, he has been very productive. If you look at his, like, you know, like numbers in terms of like how many minutes he's had and what he's produced. And I realize some of them are skewed because, you know, let's say it's against Shrewsbury or something like that, you know, during the League Cup. But still, overall, if you look at his minutes and what he's produced, but when you look at who is above him, it's kind of, I mean, can you ever make a case for Taki to? start in a Premier League game, especially when we added, I mean, let's say everything being the way they are in terms of the squad, you know, Mo, Mane staying, and now you have Diaz, Bobby, Jota. Do you ever see a situation where, as David Rice, you say, you know what, I'd rather have Taki start this game? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, those five players that you mentioned are, are ridiculously talented and they're world-class, and don't get me wrong, Takumi Minamino is really good. And he's the leading scorer in both the FA Cup and League Cup runs, right? So this is not to say that he's shite by any means. But he's, you know, I think they bought him to – they thought they were going to get more of like a Bobby Firmino-type performances out of him. And it kind of became clear quickly that they weren't – that's not what we were going to get. Now they're starting to experiment. You're seeing him play out in those wide roles, and it's – it's starting to pan out a little bit. Like he's played really well out there. So look, if he can be a guy that can drop either side of a center forward or play as a number 10 in behind, if you wanted to do that, you know, he still has value. Um, I think as a fifth attacker, should you go into injury crisis mode, like we did with the center backs last year, say that happens on the front line and Taki's got to slide in. That's not a bad option by any means. (laughs) So, but it's whether or not he's willing to do that. Because I think he's, what, 26 maybe? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere on there. He's still in his mid-20s. He's in his prime. And as a forward, I think you want to be playing all the time. So it comes down to, well, what what does this kid want to do? You know, if he wants to stay and he wants to fight for a place, hey, he's more than got – he's got the quality. He's got the attitude. That's clear. Klopp likes him. So he could do it. But if he said to himself – no, nah, I need to play every week. You know, he is a leader in the Japan squad. So if he feels like he needs to play every week, then, you know, maybe he has to move on. And that's totally, totally understandable from a, a, a man management perspective. 
But is he getting in over Diaz, Salah, or Salah or Mane? No, not anytime soon. I but just feel like you know, he will get when we have those five substitutions next year. He will definitely get a lot more Premier yeah. League minutes as compared to like what he did. I think if we talked about it and did we? T- I mean, we did talk about it. I should probably say when we talked about it, like four, five, six months ago. We were kind of debating, ah, will Taki be here? He wasn't what we expected, but it was a small investment. You know, we'll still I make thought, money on him when we sell him. I thought that was part of why we bought him. I, I started to believe that it was really kind of like uh, flipping a house, essentially. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, buy him for seven and a half mil or whatever it was. And, you know, you have a couple of good seasons with him, have a little fun, and then off you go for 15 to 20. And you could easily get that for him now. But uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him. He's a kind of a wild card because I think I think Klopp does like him, and you can see his work ethic. You see the yeah. way he, he plugs into the squad, and everyone likes him. So you know, and that's the thing. You know, we were saying that Jamie, but now you fast forward like these five six months, the contributions he's done in the cup, especially since we won both of them, and you know, I mean, even in a game like this, you know, where he is needed, he delivers. You know, he gets a rare opportunity. And he makes the most of it. You know, we always joke whenever we see Ox over there, I always jump in and say, great opportunity for Ox. Well, I mean, this is a hey, great opportunity for Taki. And he makes the most of it. So it almost feels like now, and I think he kind of likes that role, knowing he will get these opportunities and he will probably get more of them next year. So it's a lot easier to see him staying over Ox now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean... I love I love your bit, David, uh, that he's uh, you know a, a semi-detached, fully furnished, centrally located, um, <laughs> close to the bar, you know, ample parking. Wait, wait! Parking. Only you are looking for that in a house, probably. Is it close to a bar? <laughs> right, 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 right. I thought you were going to say close to metro. Like or I said, like, like that. I said, ticks all the boxes. Ticks all the boxes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've got it written down there early. Like I said, he started his first Premier League game, but he, he started eight games for Liverpool this season. He's got seven goals, one assist. Somebody said he's he's registered 10 shots and got nine goals or something like, like that. Like his goal was amazing. You know, like two yeah. all he all he, he needs is two touches to set him up, and it's a narrow angle. And it's a it's a head down striker's goal near post. I mean, he just hits it with par right right where he wants to near post. I mean, he is he's a great player. And like David said, if he wants to stay and fight and and maybe not play every week, but be used as a bit part player, um we're we're gonna need a couple of them. You know, we've 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 famously done well with bit part players. Like we've said, Devagarigi, um and yeah, yeah, if Ox goes, I think it'd be it'd be nice to hold on to Taggy because Kind of like what we've all said, like, you know, he, he's, he is that skeleton key. You could play him in a Bobby Firmino role up against the lower team. You could play him out on the right. You could play him out on the left if, if um, you know, uh, possibilities allow. Um, but, yeah, I think he, he's a quality player. And if we don't hold on to him, somebody with not the greatest squad like we are blessed with is, is going to have a, a great player on their hands. And, and, and like David said, a, a quality international. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It's just his ability to be able to come in for different players, play in central play on the wing and stuff. I think he would be a great squad player. And I think that's, 
a lot of things will change if we kept going with the three subs. I think there was going to be a lot more decisions to be made with the squad. I think that five kind of like changes the entire landscape because, you know, we always talked about, you know, club substitution patterns and like how they always come after the 80th minute and things like that. But we've seen in the Champions League where he does take advantage of it at times and gets, you know, when the game is under control or when something is coming up, he's able to like divide up the minutes 60-30 or whatever it might be. So I think that whole five sub thing in the Premier League kind of like changes the entire squad lineup, which I'm sure we'll have the entire summer to talk about. So going back to the game, I don't want to go into too many of the specifics, but David, like what did you make of it overall? And then I wanted to kind of ask you guys about something about the defense as well. But overall, what do you make of what you saw? Uh, you know, it, it was a really professional performance, very gritty at times when it needed to be. You know, they get the goal. It's a good goal. Um, it's well taken. It, granted, it gets a little bit of a deflection, but it's a good goal. Um, and then the, the way they respond is pretty much perfect. That's what I want from my from a red side. As you go down one, nobody hangs their head. Everybody just picks it back up. All these guys look like they've been playing for like, on a regular basis, and uh, most of them have been sitting pretty much the majority of the season. For him to come on and bang that thing top corner, like Jamie said, when he's not seen the pitch in how long, that was really impressive to me. And the way you know he took that first touch and just the the flow of the goal, like you know Gomez really bangs it in at Jota, and Jota just sort of calms it down and slides it into Minamino's path. It's beautiful. I just think they're they're so composed and they're so kind of they've all got the faith. Let's put it that way. They, they've all believe at any given time that they're going to do it. And the second one, you know, is it a little bit fortuitous? Yeah, but you know, I think the the announcer said it best. They said fortune favors the brave. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I'm a big believer. You make your own luck, and that's what they did. They just kept going and going and going, and then when they got the lead. You've got some composed heads on the pitch at that point, and Henderson and Milner slid to right back, and they're just going, just control this thing, you know? Like, let's not let it get out of hand. Just, I, It's exactly the kind of performance that wins you titles. And, you know, I think I saw the other day, Manchester United have won seven titles with less than 86 points. Yeah. We're just living in this Manchester City reality where this is the only time in history where you – play as good as these reds do and you don't walk away with it automatically so yeah i think it's like odd to have two teams that are so dominant and there's like a huge drop off afterwards i mean i was looking at the standings earlier today and i was like holy cow there's like a huge drop off there um so here's the biggest question i wanted to ask so we'll start with you jamie i mean you look at this game and wanted to see where you guys are at with this i mean there's two center backs we have and it you know what a difference a year makes, right? I mean, from uh, <laughs> shoving anybody and everybody back there as a center back a year ago, now you look back there, you know, you're playing one of them as a right back. Um, our boy Reese is on the, on the bench, but you have Matip and Kanate, and honestly, I think you could have made a case for either one of them for man of the match this game. What do you make of it? And I guess who is your preference for, let's say, well, the final coming up, for example. Here he is with the knives again, David. 
saves them. He saves them. He, he's a, he hoarding these knives until the Thursday <laughs> pod. I swear he is. Um, I mean, Kanate is. I keep saying he's European quality. Um, he has waltzed into this team. Maybe they don't do the waltz in, in France, but what do they do? I don't know. He's, he's, <laughs> he's just, you know, casually entered the best European lineup um, at a counter um, and and is beginning to express himself. You can see um, his passing range is good. Um, he maybe doesn't have that mad-up adventure streak in him, but then again, not many centre-backs do. Um, but Canada is yet to lose. He's, he's 22 wins and like five draws or something. I mean, at 22, imagine him at, at 26. Imagine him in four years' time. And then imagine him in four years after that. You know, And then we're, then we're still only talking about a 30-year-old. And that's prime time for a centre-back. I mean, I think he's... Amazing, I think. Like um, that interview that he had with Trent, it, you know, Trent said his his ceiling is is sky high. I truly believe that. I think um, not only that. I think beside somebody as accomplished as Virgil Van Dijk and Joel Matip, I think you're going to learn the tricks of the trade, and and you know, I, all of a sudden that 22 year old isn't quite as naive as you would imagine because he's had that European quality. Um, for me, I think he's box office. When he picked up Fred and just put him over here, like that was it for me. Um, oh, uh, yeah. When, when oh, you can show that fire, and, uh, when you can show that fire and um, smile in the face of that kind of adversity, I thought that that's that's another um, notch on his bedpost. You know, he, he's um, he's not he's not shook easily. Like he's not daunted by any sort of challenge. Um, but again, all that being said, Madhav's brilliant. So, I mean, I can't answer your question, Tumuchin. Next. <laughs> That's a win for me, baby. So, David, let me come to you. Let me throw a knife at you then. Uh, I mean, I guess to me, and I don't know if this is because we have not seen enough of him or due to his age, as much as I love both of them and I feel like Konate is probably the, the future Van Dyke for this club, right? I mean, in terms of, you know, like being that centerpiece of a defense, he definitely has the potential for it. But I feel like if I'm going into a big game, and unless we're going against somebody like very physical, I trust Matzip more in terms of not making a blunder. Is that just me? And it's just that's due to the fact that we haven't seen enough of Konate or just his age, or or do you even agree to like kind of like my overall hunch sense, whatever you want to call it? Pessimism. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably more dead on, but okay. <laughs> I agree that Matip is the choice. Uh, there's a few reasons for it. One, uh, so the rest of the way, particularly this season, um, we're looking at Wolves, and I know Real Madrid is a big club, but if you look at the way that they're kind of approaching things, the way they approach things against City, I imagine that they may approach things the same way against us. We're going to have a lot of the ball. It's going to be a lot of us trying to figure out how to get through to me matchup is the guy for that challenge he's a little bit of a not that kanata is a bad passer but joel matchup is a really good passer he's also got that adventure in if and there's this there's this visualization data visualization going around i saw the other day and i'll have to share it with you guys 
but it basically maps out all the center backs in the world across four categories. And it's like ball progressions, pass completion percentage, tackles one, this and that dual aerial duels one. Joel Matip, according to the stats, is currently the best center back on the planet. Which is we don't need a chart for that. Everybody needs that. <laughs> I know, but you know, you know, we all work in different businesses. People like data. You get it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got one more fact for you. As I was um, doing my research for the sixty second news, so Matip has won all eight Premier League games when he has scored. He also has the lowest loss ratio of over a thousand Premier League players to have played 100 times or more. That's the lowest in the competition's history. He is the lowest loss <laughs> ratio. Honestly, if he was not playing next to Van Dyke, I think he would get a lot more credit. And That's I think what's been impressive in this last game, I know like the Chelsea game, we only saw it for like what, 15 or 30 minutes or whatever. But, you know, we saw... You know, we always say, and it's probably, I mean, it's not partially, but it's definitely true that obviously Van Dyke makes the person next to him look better than they are. But, you know, it was just them two, and it was a very solid performance. I think if it wasn't, if it was playing for another team and wasn't playing next to Van Dyke, David, I think he would probably be touted and probably worth a lot of money to somebody. Like he's the top class Mercedes Benz rolling out next to a Rolls Royce, right? Like, you don't see a Rolls Royce very often. <laughs> and Van Dyke is a very special player, right? Uh, I think, you know, we, a lot of people will talk about, when it comes to Matzip, people will talk about, and I just saw it in the thread too, um, people will say pace. But actually, he just looks goofy. It's not that Matzip doesn't have pace. It's just that he looks awkward doing it. He has a ton of pace, actually. Uh, if you go back a year or so, him and Virgil were the two fastest guys in the squad, which was crazy to me. I couldn't believe it. But if you watch the way he makes up ground, Matip can keep up with most anybody. Just Kanate's got a little bit better swagger, right? He just looks a little bit cooler doing it. I, I look, I like Kanate. I, if if Klopp played him, I wouldn't be like upset about it. But I think for the, the challenges that we face, Matip is the guy. And, you know, that's going to change over the next couple of years. Joel's 30. Kanate's this up-and-coming. Like we said, he's the next Rolls-Royce, right? He's the next Van Dyke. He could be – we don't even know what he could be. The, the ceiling is – there is no ceiling at this point. So, and like, I still can't believe the way he settled into the squad. We've had two guys this year that I cannot believe the way that they settled in. One is him, and the other one is Diaz. And so, you know – I. Not this isn't a knock on him at all. I just really, really believe in Joel Matip and what he's done, his experience, you know, the way that he approaches the game, the way that he interacts with his teammates, you know, in a final when things get gritty, when things get tough. That's the guy I want out there. The guy that, you know, has built up that trust over years. Kanate is going to have a lot of finals ahead of him. He just had his first FA Cup final and he won it. You know, he won and he played in the League Cup final too. He's already got two or two finals under his belt this season. So he's having a great year for a 22 year old kid. Yeah, I mean, it's unreal. <laughs> is, is there an argument to maybe start Kanate for his physical for his physicality and then bring in Joel Matt around the 60 minute mark for a bit of adventure? 
I, well, well, I think that, and that's the thing. I think it depends on how the opponent plays more than, and it's like kind of like how the game plans out before yeah. the game in terms of what we're expecting. Like you're saying, David, and I agree. If we're playing against a team that's going to sit back, Matip is a better choice. But if we're the, what Matush is mentioning in the chat in terms of like his speed and his. I think not only speed, I think Matzab, yeah, he has like the giraffe running going. So his one step is equals like probably three, four steps of us. Uh, but <laughs> it, so it's kind of like he can make up ground really fast. But I think one thing that Konata brings is a lot more physicality when you're like shoulder to shoulder. I know Matzab wins a lot of like headers, like, you know, like his stats are really good. But when you're running shoulder to shoulder, somebody I mean, freaking Konate is so strong. The person next to him, regardless of who they are, eventually feels like they collapse. They just can't keep up with the speeds and the show, you know, and the strength at the same time. Because those are kind of like two different variables. And afterwards, as you're fighting that strength, you know, you can you kind of lose the speed. You just can't do keep up with both. The dude seems to have both. So I think it's a matter of kind of like guessing what the other team is gonna do. So we pick the right center back. But either one's going to play next to Virgil van Dyke, so it's going to be fun. I guess, yeah. That's <laughs> Before we go back to this weekend, I'm going to kind of like take your guys' guesses. I think we'll probably be on the same page for the most part. I was going to actually talk about this anyway and see, get your guys' take, but then we saw even more uh, field invasions going on today with Everton celebrating and setting up the parade for staying in the Premier League. So first off, let me ask you guys that because I did see a lot of like different takes on it and obviously a lot of like mocking of it as well. But Jamie, let's start with you. Let's throw the knife at you. In terms of Everton fans, you know, kind of, I mean, it was more like a celebration of relief than anything else because, you know, I kind of like look at a lot of like different like fan TV channels and stuff like that as we kind of prepare to launch our like YouTube channel full force ourselves. And I, I mean, those guys had given up before the United game and stuff, because they consider those as losses. So it was a shocker for them to like win those games anyway. But what do you make that make of that in terms of them kind of like invading the pitch and celebrating like they won the title? Well, look firmly tongue firmly in my cheek here. Like you said, it was like they won something, you know. And and one of my one of my scouts mates messaged and said it, it's as if they won something. Like maybe maybe we're gonna have to stop singing since 1995 because they acted like they won something. And you know what? Fair play to them. Um, again, tongue firmly in cheek. 250 millions on the line. Um, and and whilst we're off celebrating cup runs and and trophies and possibly another record-breaking season um, in many more ways than we could have ever imagined. They're celebrating, hanging on by the skin of their arse. And, um, you know, let them, let them, who cares? You know what I mean? It's like, all right, you're celebrating, you know? You know, everybody was joking in, in the Discord chat, let them have their... Their, their parade around Merseyside on the 30th after after we've shown them what real silverware looks like. Um yeah, it's 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 laughable. Um but 250 million is not to be laughed at. But then again they're probably just gonna blow it on a load of shite. 
players too. So, <laughs> I mean, they're 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 a club destined for um Mediocre. more trouble. And you know, <laughs> I was going to start off my my Liverpool sixty second news uh, with um, Liverpool have guaranteed six more points next season. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, look, if 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 the gods had shat on us and we were blue noses and we were all Everton fans, we'd probably be celebrating too. I, I can't begrudge them that because look, they've had to deal with being Everton fans their whole lives. So let let them have a little slice of joy, if you can call it that. Exactly. I, I would start with echoing your same point. Like, what have they had to celebrate for some time? Not a lot. You know, this is the, this is their moment to to feel happy about something. You gotta let them have it. And I, you know, I for one thought those scenes were amazing. I was like, oh, good, for, good for them. Whatever. The other point I would make too is, you know, if you're every team goes on a journey, right? Every club is on some kind of journey. We we look at ours, and of course, we're obsessed with it. So you know, we maybe sometimes kind of look at other clubs like. I, I don't know. It's, sometimes it's it's hard to keep up with all those different stories, right? I've got a close friend who's an Arsenal supporter, and he's always talking about the journey that they're on. And if you're an Everton supporter, the journey that you've been on is, quite frankly, shite. It's let, let me just all- clarify there, David. The <laughs> Arsenal journey ended the other night too. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 for sure. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, my, my point is, is that for Everton, you know, it looked grim. It probably couldn't have looked much right. better than it did. So, so, so it's much it, more uh, like laughing in the face of danger. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like yeah. like you're saying, they were yeah, destitute. Exactly. It was like we we did it. We we did relief, die. not joy. <laughs> you know, it, absolutely, yeah, relief, not joy. And yeah, I think normally it's just as powerful as joy. You know. <laughs> And normally I think I would laugh more at it, but we were just talking about, I think it was the Monday podcast with Galley and Bickler about how the league mocked Klopp when he took the the team to the stands after that 2-2 two, two tie with West Bromwich Albion. Yeah, and everybody yeah. was like, oh, they're celebrating a draw and stuff. But what to was the build something. something, you need something to build on. And we didn't, let's face it, we didn't have a whole lot going on for us too. And... Thank God Lampard is no club, <laughs> but you know, every club kind of like needs something to be able to build up on. Cause I club was talking about, I think it was after the Southampton game when I, like I said, I mentioned earlier, like he was talking about Taki and Ox and stuff. And he even brought out the fact himself, it almost kind of like slipped a little bit where he said, you know, when you're winning all the time, somebody who's not playing can't come in and say, what's up? Like, how come I'm not playing? Because, you know, they see what's going on, so they go with the ride. It's a lot easier to keep a squad happy, everything under control, people getting along when everything is positive. And to build that positive atmosphere, you kind of need some building blocks. So I kind of, like, was thinking that at the same time. Does it look a little sad and pathetic? Yes, but going back to what you were saying, David, I mean, and apart from Mitoush says, come on now, they celebrated the first place last year for a few weeks and you know that was the parade for that last year and this year's parade will be <laughs> in the premier league so but that i don't know if you guys saw moment, this man you know <laughs> in terms of like uh one of the guys getting 
in the face of Vera and he fucking does like a little tackle and like throws him on the ground and stuff like that. I was actually going to talk about this one after the Nottingham Forest game about like Billy Sharp basically getting clobbered by this fan. And, and I know like, you know, the police and everything like that has been involved, but I kind of wanted to get your guys take on this whole ordeal of fans storming the field. I mean, we see it in the U S a lot, especially in like college games and stuff. And I'll be honest, I think it is something that is extremely dangerous because I know how I would be as a player after a game if I lost. I am not a very um, – everybody in this household can tell you guys I'm not a good loser. Uh, so if I just lost the game and I'm walking on and people are running around and, like, saying stuff to me, kind of, like, look like what's happened to Vieira. I mean, these are a lot of competitive people. I feel like it is extremely dangerous. Matthias says he's one of the rest of the I had seen that I like they made an arrest but I don't know if it was the guy and he's a season ticket holder I mean he loses ticket and stuff like that but one guy is gone and now there's another 50,000 potential dangers out there I mean what do you think David like how do you even change that get ahead of that or do we are we going to wait till something really bad happens I mean, it's a, you know, it, look, it's a policing question, right? Like at the end of the day, they've got to keep people from coming onto the pitch. I would prefer that they didn't do it like they do in Italy where they put cages up. But, you know, uh, if something does happen, we'll probably see some crap like that. I mean, it, you're right. It is incredibly dangerous, not even just from interacting with the players, but sometimes fans interacting with each other. You just don't know what's going to happen. Um you know, definitely should stay off the pitch. <laughs> but we as fans, as supporters of clubs, can get a little wild at times. <laughs> you know, I think we've all seen it. Farky, Farky says, don't be a fun sucker. And, you know, that's what mm. I do, first of all. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. But to that point, don't be a fun sucker. To stop that people from invading the pitch because, you know, they have numbers, you know. But right. I don't know if there's a better way to kind of protect the other team and the refs and stuff and get them out of there safely. Just give up on the fact that, you know what, we're not going to stop these people, but let's get these people out of here safe instead. Go ahead, Jim. But, I mean, like, it happens like that, right? And, and like David saying, you know, the Italians, and, and look, Liverpool, we know it, it, the 97s on the back of our shirts, we all know what happened at Levin's Lane and 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 those cages you know so that'll never happen i don't think in in exactly sparky parky is is bringing up the point i'm getting to um the cages i don't think will ever happen in in, in england again because of what we've seen the italians god love them the you know cages and and they have you know some of them have jail cells still in their prisons um or in the prisons, they have jail cells in there. In the I would stadium. hope so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's maddening that one fan can ruin it for us all. And and Alan, Alan Walnut says he's been sent to prison for 24 weeks. I think that's laughable. 24 weeks. I mean, he's endured much more pain being a Nottingham Forest fan his whole life. <laughs> Time served. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Twenty-four weeks. He's already joke. out. <laughs> but I mean, a season ticket holder or, or whatever, it don't matter. <laughs> like the fact of the matter is, look, 
I've, I've got a lot to say on this, so I'll try and make it concise. He hit that man with the full force of running. And he and Billy Sharp was stood there still, not expecting a damn thing. He could have broke his neck. He could have killed him. There could have been a, a death there. And by what I'm saying, by, by one person ruining it for us all, it, it has us discussing this cages idea, which we all know the atrocities of Hillsborough. We all know what happened there. And, and still to this day, people, other fans, other than Liverpool, you know, don't get the gravity of what happened in that situation. Otherwise, you wouldn't have this death mark and you wouldn't have these idiots singing these chants. You know, what happened that day should never, ever happen again. Um, and I don't know. I just find it its very hard to, to stomach that one fan could ruin it for himself. He could, he could have killed that man. He could have killed Billy Sharp. It's absolutely disgusting. When I seen it, I was livid and and you know what i hope he does go to jail and i hope those 24 weeks are the hardest of his life and i hope other football fans are there and i hope they absolutely go through him. i hope they run through him. well and there's there's one other piece of this too that's concerning to me and that is you've probably heard as they debated safe standing some of the things that were said by police constables about football fans they still to this day like to demonize football fans right and behavior like this almost you know i mean not in my eyes but in some eyes will lend credibility to what they're saying and it's going to be used as an argument to continue to treat people like animals and if you treat people like animals they'll act like animals you know like that's just how it is one 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 more thing on that as well though sorry david Uh, one more thing on it as well the the there was another clip of was it the Nottingham Forest player who was supposed to be holding down one of these fan, or maybe it wasn't the Nottingham Forest player, but somebody held a fan down by his boot on his throat, like was was standing on him. Not in not in the ways that we've you know seen, and and and, and but the fact of the matter is he put his boot onto one of these pitch invaders. I. There's been a lot of grief about that as well. You know, how dare that player, you know, do this to blah, blah, blah. You invade the pitch. At that point, it becomes a security breach. These players are then feared, fearing for their lives. In all honesty, fearing for their lives. Take a look at what Billy Sharp, you know, I think it's um, it's crazy. And look, I've, I've had friends who who've been banned from stadiums for taking a beer onto the pitch. Well, I've got a couple of Geordie mates. He took a beer out onto the concourse. He got, he got banned. He got banned for, for a year. Um, so look, I, I get the idea of lager fueled louts out for a, a, a riot and, and they're just hooligans and all this bullshit. Um, obviously, one guy can 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 be the uh, exception here, and he, yeah, he probably did have a bit too much alcohol, but that that doesn't necessarily mean. He, I guarantee you, this guy's an arsehole, no matter what, no matter how many pints he's had. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's exactly. when he wakes up in the morning, I mean. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. But, and, that's, uh, and that's the problem. It's you know, yeah, it is one 
asshole that does it. Uh, yeah, Sparky Parker says it was a Sheffield United player stands on fan. And yeah, I mean, it becomes because that's their pitch. And I don't blame because he's going against. I mean, it's risky on the Sheffield United players, too, because while you're doing that, you don't know what everybody else is going to do. And you're I'd, I'd be straight up smart. Imagine, imagine them all eleven of them like Sparta side by side, like just. <laughs> just, just and honestly, I mean, this is definitely a great like topic uh, for us on a podcast during the summer to kind of like delve into like different examples and stuff like that. But I mean, I see a lot of this in. I mean, I mean you mentioned the Italian league. You should see the freaking Turkish league. It makes the yeah. Italian league. And I, I don't even get it. I like, I really don't even get it. Like they will be doing stuff, throwing stuff while. You know, like Fenerbahce is winning, and I'm like, what is happening? Like, what is that? Like, well, it's, and then it's you know, like, Alonso says probably like Patrick Vieira well. is going to be in trouble. Why wouldn't? Why would he be in trouble? Like, if the guy isn't made in the pitch, getting in his space, he doesn't physically contact him, but it definitely gets into his personal space. I don't know if you guys have been able to see the video yet, but and you know, yeah, I would protect myself too. And like you say, you're kind of going at somebody who just lost the game, and honestly. You just freaking won a game. Why are you going and headbutting the dude? Why are you going to Vera's face? You just saved your season as an Everton fan. Like, what does he have to do with it? You know, go freaking celebrate. But while I was getting back to like the Turkish League thing, and I see some stuff where somebody is not one person. I think we always to protect the game, to protect us fans. Sometimes we try to simplify it and say it's one person. It's not one person. No, you know, around that one person is a hundred enablers, or even worse, 30 people who join in and another couple of hundred enablers. I think you know, when you have that kind of behavior, it's not like one guy throwing stuff in these games. You go, there's like a bunch of stuff flying in, so it's never one guy, it's like the crowd sheep. I don't even know what it is. I've the never Everton gone game. to a game and had the urge to like hurt somebody else. I just don't get it. I, I can't even comprehend it. I don't know what the concept is, but go ahead, David. You're about to say something. No, I was just going to say it's the same thing when we see, you know, English clubs sometimes or, or England and the national team go away and they take over a town square. And then there's some video online of somebody racially abusing someone or doing something messed up to a woman or whatever. Right. And it's like, oh, it's just one guy. It's like, well, no, because the rest of you were there and you didn't do anything. Yeah. So it's not just one guy. It's all of you. <laughs> like you have to own it. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like you just have to own it. And unless you're going to start getting better and start essentially policing ourselves in some ways and saying like, hey, this, this is not acceptable. Yeah. This is this is fine, but this isn't, you know, then at some point we do have to take ownership of it as as fans of clubs, I mean, I, you know, I, I know a few Chelsea fans and I'm kind of like, you know, I've seen some of the behavior that comes out of their fan base on the road. How do you reconcile that? You know, right. you can't just tell me it's one guy because the rest of you are just sitting there. So Yeah, it's mob mentality, 100%. You know, you it's it's take a look at the Everton game. You know, they were just throwing pieces of paper, but it kept going on and and. They even tried to keep the ball. Like they were playing for a win to, to, to get out of relegation. And, you know, they were keeping the ball, like, you know, and, and throwing papers at their own players and stuff. Like there was a corner flag or a corner kick over by the corner flag. They were just throwing stuff at their own player, trying to take a corner. I mean, it, it absolutely. And David, you make a fantastic point. 
the older heads in the stadium absolutely should and probably do police these young idiots. But at, at that point, when yeah, you're probably fooled by a few jars and 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 that um, that that you know fight or flight kind of thing is is you know your adrenaline's pumping and it's you know somebody jumps the fence next one jumps the fence and then it's all all bets are off you know um it's mob mentality and i you know i think the more mature ones absolutely will police their own but you know yourself it's like trying to get through to these kids these days is, is a nightmare you know <laughs> so like so like you said when 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 that when that first sheep jumps the fence, it, it's 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 too late. Yeah, you know? over. And yeah. I yeah, this is definitely a topic that we should probably delve into more. I'm not that we'll ever be able to solve it, but I mean, Sparky Parker says, "Is I remember a few years ago, police used to make a corridor to get players off the pitch, but the cost of policing is so high, less police in the game." I mean, and you know what? You you're not gonna have one for one. You're never gonna have fifty thousand cops there. I mean, I remember. Uh, when we went to Istanbul with my wife, she was her first time in Turkey. And, you know, of course, you know, we're in Istanbul. We're going to a Fenerbahce game and happened to be a Besiktas game, who wow. you know, was like another Istanbul team. It's not the huge rivalry that but it's still you know, Fenerbahce Galatasaray has, but it's still like a local derby game and it's pretty big. And I remember like when we left, she was like, what are all those buses? And I was like, yeah, those are for the cops. Because they yeah. were like, I like hundreds they of buses. In. Yeah. <laughs> and this is, you know, like they only get like a little corner. It's like basically, and they can't leave for like hours till everything clears. So the cops can escort them. But you can never have that many cops. It's just, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Darren, Darren says, I put it all down to Green Street Hooligans. I mean, there is like a documentary on, I think it's on Amazon. It's not there. It's about actually like the how these hooligan uh, Turkish fans got together to be like to in a protest for like a park for like actually a good cause, but it shows their like hooligan side, and it's just like, what are you guys doing? What is wrong with you guys? But that's a different story. So we'll get to that yeah. another game. Let's look ahead to the weekend real quick. So I'll throw the knife at you first, Jamie. For this weekend, obviously, apart from Fab, do you start your first eleven? Or I guess like the key people to be thinking about is something like someone like Van Dyke, because while you want to save him, you probably don't want to have him have no action. And then, you know, first action be the pace of the Champions League final. So what do you do for a lineup if you are the man? If I'm I'm the man in charge, you are the man. Um, <laughs> if I'm the man in charge, uh, I'm treating this as a trial run. And I would probably start my best 11 and and look to change maybe one or two and, and keep and hold one sub back. I would probably start, oh, I would probably start Kanade. Um, I would probably start um, Hendo, Tiago. I would maybe... Have an eye to start in Millie. Well, no, actually not Millie because he took a bit of a knock. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Jones again. I mean, I know there was a lot of talk about Curtis Jones against Southampton. I thought he'd done well. I think that that role in that typical in that three, <coughs> when you've got Milner, Harvey, and Jones, he was kind of doing the job of two or three men. And he's still young and and still 
learning his trade and, and he's been in and out of the squad he hasn't i would probably start jones but i would treat it as a trial run and and still a, as an audition for some maybe fringe players to to with an eye at being the first sub maybe in um in paris um yeah i, I definitely would i i absolutely treat it with all the respect it deserves we need our three points no matter what but I would treat it as a bit of a trial run. See, Matur says, unpopular opinion, but I'm starting the entire Champions League final 11 as long as they're healthy. And I, it's, I find that very popular to me. Yeah, I yeah, agree. I, I, if anything, I, I mean, obviously Fab is not going to be there. So maybe Keita instead of Fab. But I think I'm starting Mats at this game just because kind of like what we were talking about, we're probably going to be playing a team that's going to be playing like defense. But I felt like, you know, Diaz, Mo, you know Mo wants to be out there with, you know. Well, he needs his goals. He needs his goals, and Son is playing against Norwich, where which, so one goal is a given almost. Uh, so um, how about you, David? Like, who do you have out there? I was going to put Diaz, Mane, Mo up top. Uh, I don't know if you would put Bobby over there, maybe Ras Mane or something like that. But um, aside from that, I think I'm starting the 11th so that it's almost like a, kind of like what Matush is alluding to, you know, like a prep for the finals, except Keita for Fab. What do you do? Yeah, no, I'm going out there. Like, I know that Philippe Coutinho is going to bag a hat trick, and this thing is well, all we got to do is win. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, you're right. I, I'm putting in the back line that you would expect with Matip in there because uh, I do think that it, um, I do think he is the best player for this matchup. And then, the thing is, you know, Nabi Keita has done different roles this season. I don't think he's getting enough credit for how much he's changed as a player a little bit. Like, he's mm -hmm. doing dirty work. He's doing jobs. Yeah. He's not doing the stuff that we signed Nabi Keita to do necessarily, but he's doing the stuff Jeannie Wijnaldum was doing. Yes. He's doing the stuff that Jurgen's just asking him. Like, I don't need you to go change the game, lad. I need you to go stick into this space shut that fucker down <laughs> you know? like, yeah yeah and yeah. stay you know keep us in this these areas and work with these two players to run that side and that's he's just done that really well i thought he did it well in the final so you know i think you just yeah it picks itself like hendo tiago keita and then you know what your front three is and i'm you know going to jota first chance i get so that he can bag one in front of his old boys and win the title what i will say though is bobby <laughs> looks sharp I guess I've no, Bobby. That's great. That's a great thing because if yeah. we need Bobby off the bench, wow, he looks you, sharp. You do. We. I think one of the hardest things for us to replace. Now we signed Diaz and we moved Mane into the middle, and Mane has been fantastic in the middle, kind of doing a little bit of Bobby bits, but doing a lot of Mane things as well. Yeah. So anytime you're getting that, it's a good thing. Right. <laughs> but. One of the it's just a different thing when you see Bobby, isn't it? It's like a completely... Well, he's just, you know, I say it all the time. He's one of the best defenders on the team. Yeah. When he drops back and he's putting pressure on their midfield from behind and, and putting pressure on all their defenders, it and then you have the two wingers can close in behind him and he creates using that. It just, he changes the game. And when Jota was in the middle for a while, I felt like, man, we're really missing Bobby. Not that Jota wasn't trying or he wasn't doing good things. I don't know how he's only 5'7 and scored this many headers. But, but 
still, I thought we were missing something, particularly defensively. And that was in that like kind of December, January time period when yep. Bobby was like completely out for a while. So uh, yeah, there's always an argument to get Bobby into the team because very few people understand the role that he plays enough to basically imitate it. And yeah, as I kept watching the Southampton game, I kept saying, man, I was like, man, I miss Bobby because it was, mm -hmm. you know, we've seen him like come back from the injury not being himself and just why I was like, man, I miss this guy. Like some of the things he does, like you were saying, like winning the ball, you know, creating space, like moving around and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, man, good to see him back. And I think I agree with the Kata point. I think when and I've been saying this, you know, these the Monday boys always make fun of me because, you know, I'm probably the harshest critic of Kata, but. I think when he plays within himself and doesn't try to do, you know, be extra creative and stuff like that, he plays the best. And going back to what you were talking about, Jamie, I think that's when Curtis suffers, where he tries to be like, let me be the creator, let me be the guy. And I think he kind of overtries, sometimes keeps the ball too long, doesn't move the ball around and stuff. And I think that's when fans kind of get on him because he might lose that ball and he might slow the offense down. I feel like if Curtis plays within himself, takes the opportunities he gets and stop trying to duplicate that goal he scored against Everton yeah. over and over, over, and, over, and, over and over I think he'll be a lot better player because he I mean you can see his quality out there sometimes I feel like he thinks he has to kind of like really show himself and he kind of hurts him prediction time let's get one for the game and tell me Jamie Sunday are we and you know, here is the catch, by the way. Here's my Sunday drama. Uh, first, I thought I was gonna miss this. Uh, my daughter's Jasmine is graduating. Um, she's going on to master's, but she's graduating from college on Sunday. So first I was like, oh shit. I'm like, but I think <laughs> I'm basically uh wifey has made arrangements where I think they're just gonna drop me off at the pub in the morning. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be with the Milwaukee Sporters Club watching the games and then going to the graduation. I might be the – am I going to be the happiest game in graduation or am I going to be, like, proud but a little sorrow at the same time, Jamie? What is your prediction? So, look, already in the comments, Parky Parky and Alan Walnut, two completely different sides of the, of the, of the fish here. Um, I went for the 2-1 win against Southampton and called it right, so you can all blame me for the heart attacks. I'm officially done with the heart attacks for the season. I'm, I'm all out quad material now, so <laughs> let's go with the Alan Walnut shout for the 3-0 win for for the good guys and i mean let's not stop there shall we you know what i mean let, let, let's go the full hog let's so i'm the happiest the guy in graduation sounds yes good to me what do you and have you're gonna be jumping up and annoying everybody in the middle of the recording it's gonna be beautiful yeah, no, the flow is gonna be there by the way i'm pretty excited about this as uh, the person <laughs> giving the speech so and I'm going to be there as a guest of honor. But, uh, David, what do you have for the score? And yeah, no, I'm going to go 4-0 to the Reds, 3-0 to the Villa, 7-0 on the day. <laughs> <laughs> See, Sparky Parky already says City will win. I ah, hate it. You know and what's going to happen? They're going to be up like they're going to be up like 1-0, and then Villa's going to get an equalizer, and they're going to crack. I'm telling you, the City team does not do adversity. They're going to crack. And Bill is going to get a winner somewhere. Yeah, my heart says that. I am hopeful. I mean, I guess like a lot of people are like, ah, no, I am hopeful because I agree they can crack. I just don't 
think it's the right team going against them. Can Villa get a couple of goals against them? That's the only thing. I don't think Villa can shut them out. That's never going to be a zero. No, it's going to be like 2 But Villa can score against them. And, man, I would kill and I might forgive Coutinho for life. Oh, I'm singing a song if he scores. Forget it. (laughs) (laughs) So we will be back Monday. I will see. Yeah, that's going to be an odd uh, Sunday for everybody. But, hey, man, I mean, these boys have had some season brought us all the way here. It's freaking unreal. I mean, when you put it in the perspective, it's freaking unreal. And I know some of the newer fans don't understand or appreciate how big of an ordeal, like, these guys are doing right now. But that's, I mean, it's freaking historic. If you don't understand it, just look at history, I guess. It's freaking historic. So let's hope so. Let's hope so. See, Sparky Parky says hope so. Sparky Parky has my old man syndrome going. No offense. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be brilliant, though? Cause, cause in the latter years, home. you get more cynical, <laughs> a bit more pessimistic. So uh, he knows what I'm talking about. Okay. So we will be back on Monday with the Monday Quad. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. And hopefully, maybe we'll do like an impromptu one. I will join from the graduation as William Defoe is speaking in the background. Uh, on Sunday, once we win the title, you never know. So take care, everybody. See you guys next week. Up the Reds. Alela Rouge.